Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now. Having to miss out on it. The madness can finally begin once again. Hello everyone, my name is Brandon Biscobing. Welcome to Sports Unlimited. And yes, it's that day that a lot of people, myself included, have been waiting for for over a year. The beginning of March Madness, the first day of the NCAA tournament. Before I go on, before I begin, just want to apologize for a mistake that I made last week. Normally, you know, I'm so used to the normal schedule of the NCAA tournament, which normally in years past, it the first day of the first round, well, the first full day of the first round would be on Thursday, on the Thursday, with the first four games happening on Tuesday, but this year, obviously, with uh, COVID and, and with everything going on, with the games being in a bubble, they moved everything back 
The first four were last night. I'll give you all the recap and everything from that last night. And I will have game-by-game analysis and predictions getting you ready for tip-off, which the first games start in just a little under five hours now. The madness has arrived once again. The first games today is going to be Virginia Tech against Florida at 12.15. Then at 12.45, Colgate and Arkansas will tip off. They're they're staggering the tip-offs this year uh, for the most part. Well, actually entirely, uh, instead of it being, you know, in, in – the because of the way it is with it being in the bubble and and then every every game being in Indianapolis, they're staggering the start times instead of all four playing at the same time. Uh, so an interesting little way of doing it. Kind of on one hand, it, at, at, just looking at it as a viewer, on one hand, it's a good thing because then you can focus on one game over another. But at the same time, it kind of takes away from the madness. Because that was one of the fun things about March Madness was, be you know, on that first day, that first and second day, having two, three, sometimes even four screens going on at once and being able to watch all these games. And just having the whole day full of basketball. Kind of losing that a little bit this year. But, you know, and and obviously I'm going to talk about some other things when it comes to that. And how how I see COVID and and the, the, the setup of this tournament. How I see that impacting this tournament on the court. Uh, so I will talk about that in just a little bit. Still also have high school to talk about. Uh, the final state championship game will be played tomorrow. Girls state, 5A girls state championship game uh, between Sumter and Clover to be played tomorrow. We'll have all the preview and, and get you ready for that game as well tomorrow. Along with some other uh, high school news and notes. Some NFL news coming up later on. Uh, and perhaps some NBA talk as well. So lots of things to cover this morning. And on top of that, my guest this morning uh, got the new Ridgeview head football coach, Derek Howard, coming on at 8. And whether you want to get some local thoughts on some local high school sports, you want to hear about, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament, want to hear some some pro sports talk, Whatever you want to talk about, I've got you covered this morning. And as always, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on anything. Give me your thoughts on the bracket. Want some insight on a specific game that you're not sure about what who what team you want to pick. I'll give you all of that insight right here on Sports Unlimited. Be sure to call on in with any of your questions. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Let's kick it off with the first four from last night. And boy, was uh, 
boy, were there some nail biters last night. I'll start off with the probably the least, uh, well, definitely the least uh, exciting game last night. Texas Southern beat Mount St. Mary 60-52 to uh, to clinch the 16th seed in their bracket. Uh, kind of surprised about this a little bit. I thought Mount St. Mary's would at least put a little bit more of a fight up. Uh, you know, eight points isn't huge, but it's still not very, very close. Uh, so, but congratulations to the Bob, Bobcats for winning that one. Uh, you know, they they move on to, you know, more than likely get obliterated in the first round. They they have to uh they have to go on to face off against Michigan and that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one. That's gonna be a tough one for them. Obviously only one sixteen team seed team ever winning a game in the NCAA tournament, that was UMBC a few years ago. That that big thriller, which it was, it, it's still crazy to me how Virginia can go from losing in the first round to a 16 seed one year to winning the whole shebang the next. Quite quite the turnaround uh, for the Cavaliers there. Uh, Moving on to what I would say was probably the craziest game of the night. Uh, most certainly was the craziest. The, these next two games, probably the toss-up for the most exciting game of the night last night. Uh, Drake beating Wichita State, coming from back from behind to win that game over Wichita State, 53-52. And, and I saw the joke on... Uh, on Twitter this morning, and it really is true. How many Kansas newspapers are going to have shocked or or shocker or some something along those lines? Since the Wichita Wichita State, their mascot are the Shockers. How how many newspapers are going to have a title like that this morning uh, about that loss? And and I would say I I honestly am shocked. I was not expecting Drake to win this game. Uh, you know, Wichita State not quite to, not quite where they were a few years ago when they were a legitimate threat in the NCAA tournament and were making a deep run. But still a a program that is, you know, known you know they're not quite to the level of a. You know, I mean, obviously Butler and Creighton are now in the Big East, but you know they're not quite to the level of a Gonzaga, obviously, or you know some of the other mid-major schools that have made names for themselves and are one of the top, the upper echelon. You know they're not a VCU or anything like that that have you know that are always in the thick of things quite yet, but they are definitely a a team that is respected by the powers that be in college basketball. And it's a little, it was a bit of a surprise to see them lose to Drake last night. Uh, Norfolk state beat Appy state last night, 54, 53. That was another really good game. Another big nail biter. Uh, and a little bit of a surprise too. I thought, I thought App state was going to be able to win that game. Uh, but, 
congratulations to Norfolk State. You also get the grand prize of being able to get dominated in the first round because you get to face Gonzaga. You get to face the number one overall seed. So congratulations, Norfolk State. Good luck. Uh, and the final game, which was the headliner last time, still crazy to think that these two teams, these two programs, are in the first four games. At UCLA beating Michigan State 86-80 to 80, uh, to move on into the round of 64. Uh, still crazy to think that those two blue blood schools are are were in the first.
Okay, hey, Coach, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I got you now. Okay, there we go. I guess my uh, my mic was uh, acting weird, so I'm gonna no try. I'm gonna use uh, my phone to uh, to to run this. Uh, so, first off, congratulations on uh, first off, congrats on your you know hiring over at Ridgeview. First, go through the process uh, with me on, you know, how how it went and, you know, what what your feelings were throughout the whole thing, especially as, as an alumni of, of the program and of the school. Um, well, obviously, um, you know, my hat's off to uh, Dr. Mack, the principal at Ridgeview High School and her whole administrative staff, along with her athletic director, uh, Brian, Brian Rosefield, you know, I was on the staff with Coach Parks, and Coach Parks and I are really, really good friends. Um, we talk often, and, um, you know, he gets an amazing opportunity. And, um, of course, uh, you know, once everything, the dust had settled and cleared, you know, he called and he said, man, this job's going to be open. You kind of want to be ready and look at it because it's an excellent opportunity for you to come home. But, um, you know, we're just – taking it through the process as um, Richland 2 was running it. And, um, you know, I, I filled out the application and um, prepared my myself for the interviews. And, um, you know, it was exciting just coming back. It was my first chance to kind of interview after being a head coach for several years. So um, it was a seamless process, man. I didn't, I didn't stress any part of it. I know I just pretty much, you know, was very honest with them about what I could offer, um, was very familiar with the program. So I think it, it was easy on my end um, when it came to coming home to somewhere where I was familiar, you know, Ridgeview High School, where where they offered me so many opportunities to develop as a as a young man as well as a professional. Um, it was very tough leaving a really good program at Wilson, but at the same time, just looking at it from a Ridgeview standpoint, it was a no brainer. And especially with your connection with Coach Parks and, you know, your uh, your uh, connection to the program, obviously, being an alum, when when you heard that the job had become available, were you like, okay, this is where I want to be and were you bound and determined to get back? Um, well, I was extremely um... – Intrigued by it, but at the same time, I was very happy at Wilson. You know, I've been treated very well my entire time at Wilson High School. And um, other than, you know, having to make an hour and 15-minute drive each way, um, the people there were great. The kids were amazing. We were doing some outstanding things, and the future is really bright. So, you know, it wasn't a, oh, you know, no matter what Ridgeview does, I'm coming. You know, uh, I was – find where I was at, you know, and, and we were working towards, and, and those kids there are still working towards having a really successful season um, in the fall. But at the same time, you know, when Ridgeview calls, you know, when, when you get a call from home, you got you to gotta come back and at least listen and, and see, you know, do you guys have um, the same things in common and, and could it be a good partnership, which, you know, obviously, you know, it is. So, um, you know, once again, it, it wasn't a, 
a complete no-brainer in terms of, oh, no matter what they offered or no matter what the opportunity was, I was going to take it because I was extremely happy at, at Wilson. But at the same time, um, once we had an opportunity to talk um, and had a chance to meet with the Ridgeview administration, you know, it was very simple. You know, we, we, obviously we were on the same page. And so, you know, I was able to make the decision. Especially with your history with the program and with Coach Parks, did they make you feel like you were pretty much the favorite? It was like, if you want the job, it's yours. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't say that. You know, um, that was an amazing job. You know, Coach Parks has done such a good job of, of taking this program and, and even in his first year as a 5A program and, and, and making the playoffs and, and winning a playoff game. Um, it was one of the top and one of the most elite programs in the state right now. So I know that there were really, really good candidates that applied for this job. So in no way, shape, form, or fashion did I feel like, oh, well, it's yours to lose. Um, obviously, with my relationship with Coach Parks in the school, um, do I feel like I had an advantage? Um, I felt like when I walked in the building, I knew where the interview was going to be at. You know, I knew <laughs> some of the people that in there in the process, but um, they were extremely professional, and, and, you know, I had to put my best foot forward in order to earn that position. You you mentioned Ridgeview moving up to 5A last year, making it to the playoffs, but got knocked out in the first round. What? How? First off, how big of a difference would you say there is between 4A and 5A now? Obviously, you moving up to 4A to, from 4A to 5A now, and what needs to happen for the program to take that next step in 5A after being so successful in 4A? Yeah, well, um, you know, when you look at it, South Carolina football is competitive on all levels, and, and I would, you know, beg to differ that, and I would say that that region that I came from, that 4A region that has uh, Myrtle Beach and Hartsville and Wilson and North Myrtle Beach, um, you're talking about some of the toughest football in the state of South Carolina, <laughs> period. Oh, but – um. You know, obviously, when when you get up into the five A level and you're dealing with your Dutch Forks and all all of those uh, strong upper state schools, um, you know your Burns and your Spartanburgs, your Dormans, as well as um, you know in the in the lower state when you're dealing with your Somervilles and, and your Sumpters, you know it's good football, man. It's the big kids. Um, you, you know, you really got to have a really strong weight program. Um, so, so there's some adjustment there, but um, you know, 4A and 5A are, are really, really strong across the state of South Carolina, and, and there are some really good 4A programs that will have no problem competing on the 5A level. You moving back to your time at Wilson, you mentioned how competitive uh, Region Six 4A is. Um, you know, just. Talk about your time at Wilson and where that program is now as compared to when you started there and and where do they go from here, you think? Yeah, I think um, Wilson was the type of program that consistently when I first got the job, people were saying, hey, that's a program that if they ever get the, the right person there, um, you know, they'll be extremely competitive. And in um, taking that job, um, 
all of the athletes you can ask for in the world. I mean, just, you know, great kids that really want to be successful, um, but the resources weren't there. You know, um, the technology wasn't there. You know, if, if I were to go to Myrtle Beach and look at their practice field and go into their practice facilities and their locker rooms and all and looked at their equipment, leaps and bounds ahead of where Wilson was at that time. Um, my initial goal was to just level the playing field. You know, let's go out here. Um, let's get the best coaches. Let's get top-notch technology, let's work on our, our weight room facilities, let's, let's see what we can do, um, and, and was very lucky that during that time we ended up getting a change in, in the superintendent, and, and he was, you know, all about facilities and all about resources, so we were able to, to start the transition of, of building a, a state-of-the-art stadium. You know, the type of things that, that now we've leveled the playing field, so when you've got a great deal of athletes and you've got good coaching going on and you built relationships with the kids and they know how to work and you've got the resources, well, now you can go out and beat a Myrtle beach. You know, you can, can beat a North Myrtle. And if you're, you know, top one or two in that region, those kids know you've got a chance to play for a state championship because I think it's the last six or seven years the top two teams that have come out of that region have played for the lowest state championship and a chance to go to the state championship. Yeah. How, you mentioned facilities and, you know, while you won't get the benefit of, of being able to experience it firsthand, how big of an impact it, it are the new facilities, are the new stadiums, not just at Wilson, but at West Florence and South Florence as well, going to be for those programs moving forward? Oh, it's going to be humongous. You know, the pride that comes with having a uh, stadium on your campus and truly being able to defend your own home turf. And not only that, um, a really, really nice stadium, three really nice um, stadiums with um, all the bells and whistles. I mean, the turf itself, um, as we did the walkthrough back in January for the turf, and, you know, it's the exact same turf playing on in the Minnesota Vikings new stadium, you know, same building and all. So, um, Obviously, there comes excitement. I can think of as we transitioned and moved into the brand-new weight room and my time at Wilson, um, you could just see that that kids were more excited about working um, because they were in a really nice facility. And, and, you know, I think it helps when it comes to getting kids engaged and having them interested and truly believing in themselves and their opportunities and, um, you know, in terms of the community, it gives them something to rally around, something that, that's their own that they can stick their chest out and be really proud of. Um, I think it brings, uh, you know, Florence has what's called a city championship. Well, I think it really adds a, a home field advantage to um, to those games if, if you're the home team, and uh, which makes that even more competitive. Uh, and also when you get in the playoffs, you know, uh, you truly have a home field advantage playing in a top-notch facility. I think that the kids there, um, the administration in Florence One is to be commended because the kids now have something they can be really proud of. Going back to, you know, now moving on to Ridgeview, how has your time back thus far been, and what have you done thus far, um, you know, before spring practice and everything 
to acclimate yourself with this uh, program? Oh, man, we've hit the ground running. Um, We've had, uh, you know, our first official team meeting, uh, my first official parent meeting, and then um, this week I have my first full staff meeting. um, And we have been conducting uh, weight room sessions as well as uh, offering tutoring sessions since the day I was hired. Um, the numbers have been great. We're offering three workouts a day, and, and we're somewhere between 20 and, and, and 35 kids attending each workout. And, I mean, these kids are, um, you know, they're hungry for success. Um, they they feel like they have an opportunity to have a really special season. Um, I've been impressed with, with their energy, and I'm extremely impressed with just the, the, the overall talent that's in this program. I mean, I can't do anything but shake my head and laugh because, I mean, these kids, this school is, I mean, stacked with talent, and, and I'm excited about the opportunity to work with them. Yeah, you, you've got the talent over there, and this team has been a storied, you know, a, a storied franchise, a storied, you know, program. Uh, make, they made it to the state uh, semis last year, or not last, this past year, but two years ago. And when you were first there in the first couple of years of of the school's existence, you were able to lead them to the state semis, you know, as well. How important is it for you personally to get this team back to that level, you know, now at 5A, and what needs to be done in order to, you know, get them to that next step uh, at the 5A level? Yeah. Well, just drawing back to my time when when I was there, um, you know, we were a brand-new program, and we were always trying to prove that we belonged. Um, you know, we came up against a juggernaut of a Fairfield Central program that was ranked nationally um, when we were losing those lower state championships. But the school bumped up to 4A back when there were only four classifications. The year after I graduated, the school bumped up to 4A, and, you know, you would anticipate there being a lull because the competition would be greater. Well, um that first year, they actually went all the way to the state championship. So they took it a game further, but lost to a good Marlboro County team in the state championship. Um, so, so looking at that, you know, why not now? You know, and, and, and there are a lot of similarities there in terms of just the bump up and, and, and still being extremely competitive, if, if not more competitive than you were um, when you're in the lower classification. Um, I haven't won a state championship. Um, in my career as as a coach, and, and I, I'm hungry to get it, and I see this team having the talent and, and being a prime opportunity for us to put our best foot forward in a brand-new stadium. And, and, you know, the excitement is there, and the buzz is around this program. And, and the thing about it that I like about these kids is they're not running from it. You know, they're not – not it's, it's not uh, a quiet um, – whisper in the air about what the expectations should be. You know, these kids are saying it loud. They're boasting, hey, you know, we're a state championship caliber program, and we want to go out and win a state championship. So I'm excited about leading these young men. A a lot of schools uh, have um, released their schedules, or at least some of it. Do you have any uh, update on who you're playing in the non-region schedule this year yeah um our non-region schedule we've got uh, west Forest on the schedule as well as sumter and carolina forest 
Um, and we're also playing. That, hey, I'll, I'll be seeing you later on this year then. Yes, sir. At um, the, the Carolina Forest game. Yep, I'm, I broadcast the Carolina Forest game. So. Uh, cool. Yep, yep. So we, we um, you know, Carolina Forest. So I just ha- got off the phone with Mark Morris yesterday, and he's a great guy. I got a, a great deal of respect yeah. for him. Um, we've got Gray Academy, and we've also got May River on our non-region schedule. So we play some some tough competition. Each one of those programs are, are successful in their own right. So um, we've got a competitive schedule, and, and we're excited to run through that that non-region um, and, and you know experience those tests as we prepare for for our region, which is really tough as well. Going back to the state playoffs and, and state championship games, uh, a lot of discussion around the state about what should be done in terms of the format after this year pushing it down to 16. Where do you see – what do you think the format should be? Did you like the 16 teams? Where Do you think they should keep that, go back to 32? What would you like to see moving forward when it comes to that? Yeah, um, I felt like what we had before the pandemic was uh, – I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, obviously, it's hard when you got a, a odd number of teams and, and when it comes to splitting the classifications up and you're trying to make this thing as competitive as possible, but you also want to reward teams um, – with playoff opportunities because those are extra practices for your sub-varsity program, and those are things to get excited, you know, get your community excited about what your football program is doing so that you can, um, you know, set what success looks like to your program. Hey, we played a playoff game. Um, I think that although you want it to be extremely competitive, you know, I I get limited it to 16, but, um, you know, can you find 32 really good teams and, and can you uh, have an at-large bid team do some damage in the playoffs? Yes, you can. You know, my time at Wilson, two of those years, we were at-large teams and we went into, um, you know, another team's home field that they were, you know, a one seed and we beat them two years, you know, and so, I think when you look at that and you look at the fact that these regions are set up by proximity, you know, they're not, when they're picking the best 16 teams, they're not picking technically the best 16 teams. They're picking geographically speaking, based on these regions, these are the top two teams in these regions. And I don't think that that part is fair at all. So, you know, in order to kind of, Make sure that you're getting the best talent. I think you have to widen the number of teams that you have instead of limiting it to 16. So, so I I like the first way with the way it was done before the pandemic when you're taking you know the top four teams in each region. Yeah, I mean you know you know that firsthand considering you coached in probably what a lot of people, especially up here you know in the PD and on the Grand Strand considered the best region in every sport in the state of South Carolina, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Definitely. One, one final question before I let you go. Uh, thanks for joining me uh, again this morning. You you a college basketball fan at all? Oh, man. I, I, I'm really not. I don't I follow college football. Um, you know, I'll get into – 
uh, when they start having an attorney and whatnot, I'll try and look at it and, and fill out a bracket. But to be honest with you, I, I haven't looked at it at all, man. I, I wish that I had that I could help out and answer this question. But, man, I, I haven't. Look, if it's not Ridgeview football at this point, I haven't <laughs> even looked. And I'm, t- I'm telling you. So, so no, uh, no prediction, no favorite pick for uh, the tournament this season. No, not this season, man. I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, th- thanks again for joining me this morning, Coach, and uh, I look forward to seeing you later on this season or later on this year. Thanks, Brandon. Man, anytime you need me, just just reach out like you did. Thanks a lot, Coach. Talk to you later. Once again, that was Coach Derek Howard uh, from Ridgeview. Got a lot of good thoughts from him. And, hey, got some information. Carolina Forest facing off against Ridgeview later on this year in non-region play. That's going to be an interesting game. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, So definitely looking forward to that one uh, going forward into the – into the football season, but you know, we, we still got baseball. We'll talk about some baseball in a little bit. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick break right now. Uh, and then I'll have Lou Bejack from the state coming on at eight thirty. talk to him about some basketball, talk some baseball, maybe talk a little bit of football, uh, right here on sports unlimited on sports central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. Once again, thank you to Derek Howard for joining me this morning. Great conversation with him. And, hey, on, on a personal note, I get I, I got to get some insight onto my non-region schedule coming up this uh, this fall for, uh, for Carolina Forest. So while we wait for Lou Bennett to come on, he'll be coming on in just a few minutes. Actually, in just about a minute, a little over a minute. Uh, we'll look at uh, some of the other matchups, go through the rest of the bracket uh, for the second round, second round preview. Like I said, I'm still kind of tossing in in my head that Florida State Georgetown game. And if anyone has any thoughts on this, I would love love to get peop other people's predictions. Get get other people's thoughts on on this matchup because it's a very tough one. Uh, you know, I would, you know, Normally, just looking at it on paper and looking at the strength of schedule, looking at the rankings, all of that, looking at the points per game, points allowed, all that, you'd have to go with Florida State. And again, maybe this this may just be a big homer, but the fact that they were able to win the Big East tournament and on top of that, you know, the all all the controversy surrounding what happened with Patrick Ewing and all of that, the Hoyas are going to be coming into this tournament gunning. They're going to be wanting to dominate this game. Um, so it it's a very interesting matchup, and I'm not sure who who I would have come out on up on that one. We got Lou on the line, so uh I'll finish off my attorney talk after we finish with Lou. Lou Bejak, good morning. Hey Brandon, how you doing man? Appreciate, Appreciate you having me on. What? Appreciate you having me on. Yep, of course, of course. First before uh you know before we get to some other things this weekend, final state championship game taking place tomorrow. Uh, the girls, 5A, Sumter facing off against Clover. Give us a bit of a preview of that game, that matchup, and and who you who you have as your favorite in that one. Well, I think Clover. I mean, they've kind of been the team to beat. I think in 5A, and uh, they definitely will go in the favored. Um, I know that um, they they but. They're coming off of that the COVID pause, so I mean they just went, took the court again this week. So I, I don't know. I you don't know what to expect your your team. You haven't. I mean I don't know what condition they're in. I mean of course they played all year and that, but I mean you don't know, and you haven't played a game. And I guess it's probably three weeks now, and then the break. It will be interesting to see what kind of shape they're in and just. Um, how they approach things. They got one of the best players in the state and uh, UNC uh, Charlotte signee uh, Alicia Wade, but uh, Sumter's really good. They play really good defense. They're very talented. Um, uh, the freshman uh, they got, uh, she's a division one prospect for sure. 
uh, Krosky. I mean, so it's. I think it should be a really good game. Uh, that they. It's been a while since Sumter's been in this position. They've been close uh, getting to the championship game. Now they're finally at the championship game. So uh, it should be a good matchup. Uh, I'm glad they got to go back to uh, USC Aiken where the other championships were and um, kind of give them that kind of treats because it, it was a good place to host the championships uh, uh, this year. So uh, I look for a good game. Uh, I think it's going to be low scoring. Both teams um, play really good defense. Clover had a couple close calls during the postseason. I know against Ridgeview, uh, Wade made a three-point uh, play, I think, to, to win it um, against Ridgeview. So it, both teams are tested, and it should be a good matchup. Speaking of USC Aiken and the Aiken Convention Center, what what were your overall thoughts on how the championship games were run this season in a very strange year, obviously not colonial life, and do you think this is going to have any impact on things moving forward, or do you think we're going to go back to business as usual back at USC uh, next season? No, I don't think so at all. I don't. USC Aiken will be hosting something next year, whether it's a upper state final, lower state final, or state championship. They're, they're definitely, the arena is nice. Uh, it's a perfect venue size. I mean, uh, with capacity, it would be 3,800. Um, the price, I know, is something that is pretty good, and it's easy to get to, easy to get out. Um, they have enough parking. They'll probably, um, I think, if they do something like that, I think the days of uh, – being able to watch every championship. I mean, they'll clear it out. I think uh, they'll do, I think like they did this year, they'll clear it out after games. You can do sessions, uh, maybe do two sessions in the morning, two in the afternoon. You could split it up over three days. And I, I think that's, um, uh, that's what we're going to see uh, happen. I, I think uh, going to, I would be stunned if they would be back at colonial life. Bellini, yes next year, but uh, I could be wrong. It's just, uh, I think everything went well. They got positive feedback from the coaches, the players and everything. So uh, we'll see, but uh, I think uh, chances of having something there at USC Aiken is uh, grew after this, uh, this year having the championships there. What, what would your prediction be? Do you think they would put the state championship back there, or do you think this could be the final? Because I know a lot of, a lot of the lower state coaches over the last few years have, get, have complained about the, you know, the status of the Florence, Florence Civic Center. Uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's an aging building, that's for sure. Could this be the final nail in the coffin of the Civic Center? Definitely. Uh, the only thing, I mean, the, just the place, I guess, would be as far as lower state. I mean, I know teams like, I mean, North Myrtle Beach and Hilton Head, it was two and a half, three hour drive. That that would be the only drawback, I, I guess, um, just for some of the low, low country schools um, that if they would make it again. But yeah, Florence Civic Center was not built for basketball. It was built for uh, concerts, arena. I mean, they put the ice, the hockey. Uh, the USC Aiken Convocation Center was built for basketball. It's a basketball arena, um, and it was very good. I mean, you got the the way they did it. They spread things out, and they got plenty of um, plenty of seats. Like I said, 3,800 is pretty good. You could have been able to pack. I think most of the games. Uh, I think you would got 3,800 at least for the bigger classification. I know the River Bluff Dorman game. You would have easily sold that out, and some of the other ones as well. So yeah. Um, 
uh, I think uh, Foreign Civic Center, they, they've been great hosts and everything, but uh, I know if coaches and everyone had their um, <laughs> choice, uh, I, don't, I don't know if going back there w- would be a possibility. There were a lot of – there were at least a few big surprise upsets uh, throughout the tournament. What was your biggest upset or biggest surprise in the tournament this season? I mean, it's got to be the 5A championship game. I mean, uh, Dorman, I mean, going for their fifth in a row, I mean, he- heavily favored against a River Bluff team who, I mean, I think before this year had only won two playoff games. I mean, and then they get on a run, they get hot, and um, <laughs> they really outplayed them in that that fourth quarter. That run they went on, and Miles Jenkins was amazing. You're not going to see too many performances like that against a quality team like Dorman, uh, I think he was 38 points, eight rebounds. Uh, I forget how many steals and that. He uh, um, didn't miss a free throw, didn't have a turnover. I mean, it was just fantastic. That was definitely one of the bigger upsets. Um, I mean, great collegiate losing the Christchurch, but Christchurch was pretty good. I mean, and they, they showed that in the championship game. Um, that those those two kind of, kind of stick out right now. I mean. Um, Keenan boys losing the Seneca. I just thought Keenan, I know this wasn't one of the better teams, but Jazzy and Gordman tried to will him away to a championship, but, um, uh, Seneca was too hot that night. They hit everything from the outside. So, um, those two, those three, four games kind of, kind of were stood out to me. It was, I think it was a pretty good tournament all the same. I mean, with, everything that went on this year and just to get a championship. And I think everyone was happy just to get that. So um, uh, congrats to everyone that uh, made it through the season and just, uh, and won championships. So you had a lot of first timers there. Um, first timers. And you look at the Hilton head South point game. I mean, that was a fantastic game. Hilton Head's going to be thinking about that for a while because I mean, they're up seven, I think with a minute and a half left in South point. Uh, cool. Uh, Quay Peterson, um, just oh, Quan Peterson was just fantastic. Uh, that last uh, c- couple minutes, uh, willing his team to to a win and giving Melvin Watson his first uh, state championship as coach and the program's first as, as well. Mo- moving forward to the spring season, uh, what are some of the teams to watch in the Midlands uh, on the baseball diamond this season? Um. I think in 5A, uh, there's a bunch. Uh, I think Blythewood, River Bluff, Lexington, uh, those three. Um, you throw in Chapin's kind of down, uh, Dutch Fork, um, uh, that mix. That, that whole region there with Dutch Fork, Chapin, River Bluff, Lexington, and yeah, White Knoll. And I think in only two teams making the playoffs, it's, it's tough. And uh, River Bluff and uh, Lexington already played their first game against each other the other night and it went down. I mean, Lexington scored three in the bottom of the seventh to win. So it's going to be a kind of a playoff game almost every night in the, the way they're doing it. They're doing, they're playing each other three times and they're spreading it out, playing each other twice in one week and then playing them again at the end of the year. Um, I think Blythewood has a chance once they get all healthy, um, they can put up some runs. They got the pitching to do it. Um, uh, they will be in the upper state, which is kind of tough. So uh, that'll be, um, in 5A, 4A, Flora, Flora is the team to beat, to be honest, if you ask me. Uh, they probably would have won it last year, and they're just very talented. they got three South Carolina commits on their team and a bunch of other talent, and uh, 
they're undefeated right now, so they're off to a good start. And 3A, um, uh, Brooklyn Casey, they're, they're talented as well. They got a kid committed to Arkansas, and a couple, uh, one going to Clemson and West Virginia. So um, they played in the IP Classic last week and uh, did pretty well. Uh, I think they have a chance to uh, make some noise. Gilbert, you put in that mix, and then uh, 2A. I mean, great collegiate. Um, has a chance to, to be pretty good. Uh, they had a pretty good season last year. See if they could uh, do it this year as well. But those are the teams in baseball to watch. And then uh, the private schools, um, I think Hammond's really good. Uh, with Hammond, Cardinal Newman uh, should be uh, in the mix for a championship. Hammond got um, Reese Holbrook, who's going to North Carolina, and Tucker Toman is committed to LSU. So uh, they're they're pretty well pretty good they're struggling early right now but um i think uh they'll get it together as they get into uh a skis of play they've played a lot of tough uh, non-region games so far what have some of the coaches been saying about being able to finally get back on the field after losing the entire season last year oh yeah i think uh, they're just happy to the players and the kids are happy to be there and just to, after getting things taken away last year and I know they're not taking anything for granted, for sure. Uh, they're just glad to be uh, back on the field. And uh, I, I think as far I think we're going to get a full season. I don't know if we're going to have many stops like we had during basketball and football. So far, so good. I don't know anyone uh, that have had to miss games other than rain right now. So um, at least in uh, baseball, softball, um, and soccer. So, yeah, so that's probably going to um, – they're just happy to – be, be back on the field, and I know they're uh, really fortunate to to get a chance to play a full season, and um, they'll have complete – they'll be able to play a complete schedule, and you know, the playoffs will start a little later, at least for baseball and softball, but uh, everyone's happy so far. Are you going to be for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, but this is probably – I'm probably not as – as far as confident, I have not watched a lot of college basketball for once. And um, I was glued to it. I mean, I watched all four games last night. And mm-hmm. and I watched pretty much the, these next four days and then next week yeah. as well. I mean, but I uh, just – I didn't watch a lot of college basketball. I watched more high school this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what it was, just the schedule and time. And um, I don't know, not having fans in the stands kind of yeah. – I mean – kind of hard to figure out but it's good to see them getting some fans uh in and i think it'll kind of expand a little bit as the tournament goes but yeah they they were great games last night what a way to kick off the tournament um you had two one-point games and an overtime game so yeah i'm um, looking forward to a good day and it should be fun i think you're going to see some upsets and uh um i mean i think i have gonzaga playing um illinois in the championship game i know that's not i mean that's Pretty stand. I mean, two of the top seeds, but I mean, I just think the way things are, they're they're two of the best, and it's going to be hard to beat beat them on a, on a given night. Could, one one thing I've been theorizing about is that with the limited amount of fans, you're not going to have the same sort of atmospheres for the types of upsets that we normally see. Do you think we might see a re- reduction in upsets this season as a result of that? I don't know. I think you might see it's you might see a reduction or you might see more just because I mean some teams I mean going in and having those breaks and 
um, just the way things are. Um, not having to travel is, is pretty big. Like these yeah. teams that win this week, I mean, you're not, they're not going home and <laughs> they're, yeah. they're staying there. I mean, it's not like, so it's, that's going to, as far as wear and tear on you, I mean, uh, they might get bored a little bit, but I mean, you're not going to have that travel and like these, these, uh, teams that won last night first four i mean usually you got to get on a plane leave dayton and go to wherever now i mean now they could stay i mean a day get relaxed so you might see like i said i think things are going to be unpredictable but um when i filled my bracket i just found it hard to get a lot of upsets i mean there's a few teams that i like going deep i think southern cal i think has a chance or six seed i think they have a chance to do pretty well um syracuse maybe i think is going to get hot um, uh-huh. Everyone likes Winthrop over Villanova tonight, so I hope that happens. I mean, and I, I'd love I mean, to see they're that. They're pretty happen. good. Winthrop's really good. The only thing I'm concerned about, like I said, I'm not sure if the lack of that atmosphere is going to impact them as, uh, you know, not having fans be able to give that the, give them that momentum. But the fact that they don't that Villanova doesn't have Colin Gillespie is definitely a big. Uh, a big factor in that one. Uh, it's huge in the well, way they, the style they play. I mean, uh, the, uh, their point guard is really good. I mean, the big South player of the year and they're deep. They, they get up and down and score. And this could be a big, uh, big weekend for uh, Kelsey. I know. I mean, some of these openings coming up, if South Carolina were to open, I, I know he would be a candidate. I, I think it could be uh, a big uh, addition. I know uh, schools are looking at him. So, well, thanks a lot, as always, joining me, Lou, this morning. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Appreciate it, Brent. Yep. Thanks a lot for joining me. All right. Bye. Once again, Lou Bejak from the state coming on. Always fun talking to him. Uh, and, yeah, it, he he's right. That could be the case that you could potentially see – more upsets as a result of, you know, lack of, you know, not having to worry about traveling. And, uh, and being able to, you know, relax and, and all of that. It's going to be very interesting. This year is going to be very interesting when it comes to how games are going to be played out. Um, and and how that's going to how, how the how the lack of travel and and all the intricacies that we're getting this season how they're going to impact uh this season uh moving forward or this tournament moving forward um so this is going to de- it's definitely going to be one way or another it's going to be one of the more unique NCAA tournaments that we have ever seen. I mean, we've we've said it so many times this year between, you know, seeing games with no fans and artificial sound and the Masters being in the fall and the NBA Finals happening in, you know, September and October and all the, the crazy things that have happened over the past year. Uh you know, this is just another one of them. And, you know, it, the the interesting thing about it moving forward after things start to get back to normal and everything, do you kind of 
put an asterisk on this whole year's worth of sports. That's a debate that's going to be raging for a while. A lot of people are going to be saying, oh, this this year didn't really count, you know. And and not to mention, you know, the all of those teams, all of those schools that felt like they had a legitimate chance of winning the NCAA tournament last year. Um you know, obviously, you know, me me personally looking at it from a, you know, uh, from a personal level, you know, uh Cian Hall, my alma mater, they were you know, I don't know if they would have been one of the favorites. I don't know if they would have won at all, but with Miles Powell and and the team that they had last year, Sandro Memoskusvili, Angel Delgado, all of the talent that they had on that team last year, they had a good chance of at least making a decent run in the tournament last year. And that got taken away from them. On the flip side, you know, you got Rutgers, who they made the tournament this year again, but they're not the team that they were last year. Hofstra was supposed to make time in a long time. All of the moments that were supposed to happen, that should have happened last year, that were lost. And, you know, you just have to wonder, you know, you know, I mean, this is all, you know, in the past now, but, you know, it's still, it, it's going to be questions that are going to be raised for years to come moving forward. And this year is no different, I feel. Even, you know, yes, we're getting a tournament, which is great, but it's a very unique tournament. And how that's going to impact these games is, you know, you don't know. You You don't know how it's going to turn out. But... Like I said, I'm I'm still kind of thinking, and I, I would love to get people's thoughts. Georgetown, Florida State. Just looking at it, I know Georgetown is coming into this game, into this tournament, very hot. Uh, both you know, both on the court and off the court. Uh, you know, it's. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Florida State has a very good team. I I think I'd ha- I think I'm going to stick with my Florida State pick, but I would not at all be surprised if Georgetown won that game. I'm just saying. UCLA and Texas. This is going to be another one. That's going to be a very good game. Going to be a very. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, you know, Texas has been a very good team all season. Uh, UCLA, you know, just barely got into the tournament, but they've got the momentum of being Michigan State. So that's going to be an interesting matchup as well. You know, looking at the numbers, uh, 72.3 points per game for UCLA as compared to 75.2 and 68.9 as compared to 68.8 UCLA to Texas in points allowed. So they're pretty much even on points allowed and Texas scores more points. 
by a little bit, but still. I think I have to go with Texas there. Maryland and Alabama. You know, assuming Maryland is able to beat Connecticut, which I think they can. This is going to be another one. You know, it's going to be an offense versus defense type of matchup. You know, 68.8 points per game for Maryland as compared to 79.6, but 65 points allowed as compared to 69.8. This is going to be one that I I could see being a, you know, a legitimate, you know, a, a very close game. And I'm very tempted to take Maryland. I really am. Uh, you know, but Alabama was ranked fifth in the nation. So, again, that's another one that's a very tough, tough pick. Very tough pick. I think I'm going to stick with my Maryland pick. I think Maryland pulls off the upset. Going over to the other side of the bracket for round two. Baylor and North Carolina. That's another one. That, you know, Baylor, Baylor's a good team. Baylor's a very good team. But North Carolina, you know, they're a very good team as well. This is going to be a close one, I think. I think it's going to be a very close one. But I I Baylor manages to pull it out. I think Baylor manages to pull it out. Just barely, but I think they do. Purdue against Villanova, especially without Colin Gillespie, I think Purdue wins that game. Villanova, I think, will be able to get past Winthrop just because of the fact that there aren't fans. But then I think Purdue wins it. Wins in the second round. Texas Tech and Arkansas. I think I got to go with Arkansas here. Although, it's another one of those offense versus defense games. And defense oftentimes wins wins these types of games. Can Arkansas, you know, keep up that momentum against, you know, Texas? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Arkansas, but I would not at all be surprised to be an upset there. Virginia Tech against Ohio State, another offense versus defense type matchup. Virginia Tech only scoring seventy two point one points per game, but only allows sixty five point five points per game. Ohio State scores more, seventy seven point three, but also allows more points, 71 points per game. Also not to mention, Ohio State's coming into this tournament on a four-game losing streak. Now, granted, three you know three of those losses were against high-ranked teams, and they made a run in in the uh, in the Big East tournament. I'm going with Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech with their defense. I think they pull off the upset there. Moving on to the Midwest bracket in the second round, Illinois and Georgia Tech. That's going to be an interesting one as well, but I think Illinois uh, wins wins that one. I just don't think Georgia Tech has enough to win 
that game against Illinois. Tennessee and Oklahoma State, that's also going to be a pretty good one. Tennessee, uh, you know, more the defensive team. Oklahoma State more offensive. In this one, I think Oklahoma State pulls it out. Syracuse and West Virginia, that's going to be a an interesting one. An old school Big East matchup. Um, you know, not fully old school, but you know, close, close. Uh, again, another one: offense versus defense. Uh, you know, uh, West Virginia, who's normally more of a defensive team, very much more of an offense this year. Uh, you know, Syracuse is going to be out on a mission, though. After you know losing in the quarterfinals in the ACC tournament, I could see Syracuse getting hot. I'm picking Syracuse over West Virginia, and then Clemson and Houston. That's another one. I I could see you know Clemson. You know this is you know Houston's playing very well, um, but I could see Clemson potentially you know, p- pulling off the upset, but I'm going to pick Houston in that matchup. So there is, there are my picks for the, you know, first two rounds. Uh, and then next week, obviously, you know, first, you know, first round played tonight, uh, today and tomorrow. Second round played uh, Sunday and Monday. And then round of 16 will be played next week. So I'll have all of the, uh, you know, all of the previews and everything for the quarter, for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight next week. Uh, and, you know, it's it's March Madness time. It's that time of the year. What many would consider the most wonderful time of the year, which I would have to agree. And and what's great about this year, what's great about this year, um, beyond you know March Madness and everything, you know, in a normal year, you know, yeah, you'd have March Madness, you'd have NBA, NHL, and you'd have spring training, but you wouldn't have any. Other than spring games. This year, you've got everything. You've got some FCS football. If you're a football fan, if you focus on football, you got March Madness. You've got spring training for MLB. You've got NBA and NHL going on. you got everything. This is great for sports fans. So, it's a great time to be a sports fan. This is going to be a great weekend. Lots of fun matchups. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's madness time, baby. It, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and then come right back. Lines will be wide open for the next hour, for the final hour. Be sure to call on in if you've got any thoughts on the NCAA tournament, if you've got thoughts on, uh, you know, high school football, high school basketball, uh, high school baseball, NBA, NFL news. I've got some NFL news uh, that I need to talk about. 
Got a bunch of recruiting notes to talk about. So still have a lot of stuff to talk about for the last hour, but I definitely want to hear from you guys. Be sure to call on in 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll take a quick break and come right back right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. We've got about an hour left on the show, and this is your time to call on in, get your thoughts out there, ask any questions you have uh, for me about anything in the world of sports. Be sure to do it right now. 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We're going to switch gears from uh, the NCAA tournament talk, switch over to some uh, high school stuff, going through some recruiting news first. Caldwell from Malden continues to get a lot of offers uh, from a bunch of uh, Division One schools. was offered by Baylor and ECU this week. Nick Hapshish from D.W. Daniel was offered by Western Carolina. Robbie Harrison from Emerald continues getting to get the offers, was offered by Air Force this week. Josiah Addison from Blythewood, offered by Middle Tennessee State. Ashton Whitner from Greenville, offered by Dartmouth and Navy. Prometheus Franklin from Greenville as well was offered by Charlotte. Jaleel Skinner from Greer, he's getting some Big time offers. He was he's the he was offered by the defending national champions, Alabama. So he's he's really you know it looks to me like he's gonna be able to basically go wherever he wants to go at this point. So be I mean definitely be on the lookout for him this season. Trey Franklin from Ridgeview talk talk to. Uh, Talk, talk to uh, Coach Howard earlier, and you know Ridgeview's looking like they're going to be a team, a, a force to be reckoned with in 5A this season. And a couple of their guys got some offers this week. Trey Franklin offered by App State, and Antonio Games was offered by Charlotte. C.J. Stokes from Hammond was offered by Western Kentucky. Jacoby Henderson from Catalba Ridge was offered by Kent State, was offered by Gardner-Webb. John Nesmith from Lakeview, offered by UNC Greensboro. Ryan Schlark from Hilton Head was offered by Old Dominion. Shimonte Burgess from Lake City, offered by Howard. Josiah Thompson from Dillon got a couple of SEC offers this week, offered by both Kentucky and South Carolina. Nemo Squire continues getting more and more offers, this time offered by Army. And Ryan Berger from Myrtle Beach, he continues racking up the offers. He was offered by both Tulane and Charlotte earlier this week. And Elijah Verner from North Myrtle, offered by Dartmouth. Offers throughout the state, even here on the Grand Strand, a few offers, uh, you know, some of the top names. In the area. On the basketball court, Brandon Garner from Great Collegiate was offered by Texas A&M. And on the women's side, Riley Stack from Wren was offered by South Carolina. Her dad, Ryan, played for South Carolina. So she has a connection to the Gamecocks. And it's going to be interesting to see if she ends up going, uh, going, you know, to her dad's alma mater. Mason Lord from Stafford committed to Presbyterian earlier this week. 
So there are your uh, recruiting notes for the week. A few uh, high school updates. Uh, pretty big, one big high school news uh, piece of note this week. And obviously, we'll, we'll start off first. Like I, we were talking with Lou Bezak, 5A Girls State Championship game tomorrow. Sumter against Clover. Lou thinks that Clover is going to win this game, but I'm going to actually pick Sumter. I think Sumter has enough that they'll be able to win this game over Clover. Uh, it's, it's going to be a tight game. I think both both teams are very strong, uh, but I'm going to take Sumter in this one uh, over Clover. So should be a fun game. You know, we got... First round matchups for NCAA tournament today and you know throughout like throughout this weekend you got the state championship game for 5A girls starting like I mentioned and, and you still have FCS football you got a few good FCS football games this weekend it's a great time to be a sports fan Every weekend, especially this weekend, but every weekend for, you know, the next couple of weeks, you got great, great sports on. No matter what sport your primary sport is, there's something for you. And that's great. You know, while I hate that it took, you know, a pandemic for this to happen and everything, and obviously I think, you know, the vast majority of us would, would you know, would like things to get back to normal. At the same time, having it to where you can watch all four sports. Now, obviously, some sports you couldn't do year-round in one way or another. You know, baseball, for example. You know, unless you're playing in, you know, Mexico or whatnot or in the Caribbean. You're not be able to play baseball in the winter. But and and football, you know, some people would say it gets too hot for football in the summer. But there have been summer leagues and, and players play during the summer and training camp is during the summer and all of that. So, you know, yes, it's padless. So, you know, there's arguments on both sides. But the fact that you can go and this has happened twice now. You know, happened during the fall when baseball was wrapping up when they had their postseason. And now it's happening again here in the spring. Where you can go on a weekend and watch all four of the major American sports on one day. It's great. Normally we only get this quad what I like to call the quadfecta. Normally, you would only get it maybe you know once, maybe twice a year at most in October slash November when you know when baseball was in its final stretch. It, when baseball was in the playoffs, football was in full swing, basketball was in the either the preseason or the regular season. 
and hockey was, you'd only and you'd only be able to get it one you know you'd only be able to get it like once or twice a year maybe three or four times a year now you're getting it every weekend and it's great you know do you know the only thing i would change the only thing i think i would change personally that would keep this as a possibility and it would be for the spring You'd still get it in the fall with the old, the traditional way of it happening. But the only, the the way I would do it, and I think this would help, I honestly think this would help the footprint, their system, and, and maybe really get people to think about, you know, changing it in the FBS level is I would seriously consider moving FCS football to the spring fully, full-time. Because it would do so many things for those programs. Now, obviously, it would give you more exposure because for, you know, for those who are primarily football fans, you know, football is on top and then everything else is well down underneath it. It would give them something to watch. So you'd have an audience there. Now, you're not going to get the type of audience that you got for... But I, but see, I was about to compare it to... I was about to compare it to, like, the XFL and the USFL and the, the other league, the AAF, and the leagues that have attempted to do a spring season and say it may not work because... You know, it's not as big of a fan base. But with FCS and the way that they have it and the model that they have, it wouldn't necessarily need it. You wouldn't need the large audience. You wouldn't need to worry about ratings and all of that because you're not doing it for that. And you probably you wouldn't even be put, putting it on terrestrial TV more than likely. I mean, you may get some games, but, you know, for the most part, it would be on ESPN+. Plus. So, I think it could work, because you'd, you'd obviously get the diehard football fans, and you'd get the alumni of those schools, who would be watching anyway, but, you know, the diehard football fans who, on a, sun, or on a Saturday in the fall, if FBS and FCS were going on, of course, they're going to be primarily watching FBS. Maybe they, if they have a certain team they want to watch, they switch over to the FCS game. But I think the ratings would actually be better in the spring than they would in the fall because you wouldn't have that competition of FBS football. You would, you'd, you'd have the market cornered when it came to football. And now, obviously, you know, people like myself who are a fan of all sports, we'd still just be flipping around and, and watching games periodically. But it would still give you some football to watch and be able to have that quadfecta for a little longer in the year. I, and, and on top of that, on top of that reasoning for doing it, I think for on a recruiting level it would help a lot because, you know, and and we've talked about it before. In in the fall, you know, 
when when these players go on these visits during the regular season, go to see a game at an FBS program or an FCS program for that matter. Normally, you you're not. I'm sure most players aren't as focused and as you know uh, in the zone when it comes to their visit as they would be. Because they just played a game the night before. They played a game the night before, and then they maybe had to travel right after the game to wherever they were going. Especially, you know, when it comes to, you know, bigger trips for bigger players. This would give players the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go visit, you know, SC State or Washington or, you know, or Presbyterian or whoever. And I, I, that's all I have to focus on. And I can go see a game in the spring without having to worry about football the day before. I think it would be huge. Now, do I think it will happen? Probably not. But would I love it if it did? Absolutely. So, got about 40 minutes left to go on the show. Once again, if you want to call in, get your thoughts on anything sports-related, 323-784-9681. That is the number. Call that number again, 323-784-9681. One quick other high school update, which was a big shock to everyone here on the Grand Strand this past week. Uh, it, before I take a break, and then I'll have some other news and notes, have some NFL talk uh, for you guys to round out the show. Livesay, who was the West Florence head coach for a grand total of one year, announced that he's leaving West Florence due to family reasons. Apparently, his wife uh, got a job that she couldn't refuse down in Buford. And so as a result of that, he's leaving West Florence after just one year at the helm of the basketball team. This is going to be the fourth coach for West Florence in five years. They've had had some problems keeping coaches around over at West Florence, and and what's crazy about it is that that's a pretty good program over at West Florence. You know, they're not, you know, they they aren't top of the line. You know, they haven't been able to get to the the pinnacle recently. But there's still a team that can, you know, do some damage, and obviously that's a good position. Florence is known as you know, a basketball city. It's, you know, they're in Region 6 4A. It's big competition. It's, you know, like I mentioned when we, when we, you know, when, when I, I was talking to Coach Howard earlier, you know, Region 6 4A, he knows all too well being the head coach at Wilson. Whether it's football, basketball, baseball, soccer, softball, volleyball, any sport. I would say, especially the big three, but I would say any sport, 
Region 6 4A, I would say top to bottom, is the best region in South Carolina. Top to bottom. Yes, you may have some regions that have better teams, obviously. But I say overall region strength, top to bottom, Region 6 4A is the pinnacle. So it's a great opportunity. It's going to be interesting to see who West Florence gets as their new head basketball coach. But the the Knights definitely want to get someone in there that will stick around a little longer than one or two years. And yes, this you know obviously this isn't anything to do with the basketball team. This was something that happened personally with his family. He wasn't going to, you know, have his wife pass up this opportunity, which I can understand. I I completely understand that. And it's going to be interesting to see because he's a good basketball coach. It's going to be interesting to see if he, you know, even if he takes a step down and becomes an assistant, could we see Coach Livesay at Buford now or one of the other schools in that area? We'll have to wait and see what happens there. But I could I, I could see that potentially happening. That now, you know, because Buford, with his success and everything, they'd be stupid not to take him. You know, even if he does, you know, and and he doesn't seem like the type of guy, you know, especially considering what he said about, you know, everything. He doesn't seem like the type that would be insulted by having to, you know, by accept, you know, I don't think he would try to force his way into being the, the head coach there. I think he'd be, you know, fine because... If the choice is between taking an assistance job and stepping away entirely, I think he'd take the assistance job. So that's gonna be interesting to see. Buford may get may luck out in this situation with with getting Coach Lipsay. So that's gonna be interesting to see. That it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh how how that turns out. Yeah, this is uh that that was the big news that came out uh earlier this week. And I think I I was not the only one. I think a lot of people were very surprised when when they saw it. They were very, you know, they were very surprised, and you know, that's a big that that's a big job opening up here here in in the PD, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how how that turns out. If you know, if uh, you know, just just overall how how this is all going to pan out. With with uh, with West Florence and and with uh, and, and with uh, Buford, 
I because I think I I could see that you know turning into something. You know, do do I know for sure if it will? No, obviously not. But, you know, could I see it happening? Yeah. I I could I could definitely see that happening. Maybe I'll, maybe we'll try to get uh, Coach Livesay on the show uh, next week. Ask him what his uh, if there is any potential of that happening. Uh, you know, in in the upcoming future. So we'll take a quick break. Come right back and have some final thoughts. Have some NFL news to go over. We'll focus on that for the last half hour. Uh, and as always, if you guys want to call in, get your thoughts on anything, 323-784-9681 is that number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. We'll be right back right here on Southern on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble!
Fuego. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. we got a little under a half hour left to go in the show. And as always, if you want to get your thoughts on anything covering sports, 323-784-9681 is the number to call. That number again, 323-784-9681. Wrapping things up with some big NFL news this week. Uh, going through, let's go through each of them. Starting off with the very, uh, I'll start off with the very controversial one. Deshaun Watson accused of sexual assault by multiple masseuses was originally one. It's now currently up to three and the lawyer for the case says that he has as many as nine witnesses or or nine plaintiffs uh, that will be revealed. That's his claim as of right now, at least. And I I just wanted to get, you know, my, I wanted to give you my thoughts on this. Um, first off, obviously, no matter what, and, and I hate when something like this happens. Because, and and un, maybe unfortunately, maybe fortunately, I don't know, it, it, you know, depending upon your interpretation of things, uh, would determine how you, how you would define this. But, uh, you know, the, the court of very quick to judge these types of cases and unfortunately I, I would have to say unfortunately a lot of them have turned out to be true that you know they've either pled guilty or you know they've been found guilty or whatnot now they, granted this is not a criminal case this is a a civil case they are not filing a charges against Watson. It's just a civil case for the, you know, the, the women are trying to get money. Um, and and in that situation, if, if it were just one allegation, and especially with how it is being played, I, I would throw this out the window right now, uh, especially considering the timing. And a lot of people brought it up when this first happened, like, this does not look good in term not for Watson, but in terms of timing and everything, it looked like it was a witch hunt to Watson to try to reduce his his stock uh when it came to him wanting out of Houston. But now it becomes much more complicated and it's you don't know what to think about it. Because on one hand, the timing is still very convenient for the Texans in order to keep Watson and to save face because a lot of people were getting, uh, were saying that the Texans were the bad guys here and saying, you know, look, you've, you've pissed him off enough, just let him go. Just, just let him go. But 
now with three with with three uh you know allegations and everything that can't be ignored be ignored uh so at this point all all I can say about this is just you know let's just wait and see what what play how this plays out because and and what and on top of it what kind of helps the Texans even more uh and hurts Watson even more and and hopefully Goodell sits on it and, and investigates it himself and sees how legitimate the allegations are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because the league can take punitive action on Watson themselves and suspend him or fine him or what have you. Don, you know, I, I think the, the terminology in, in the, collective bargaining agreement is you know uh actions which are detrimental to the image of the league or something along those lines so it that on its own that that on its own is not good for watson in terms of next season so this is going to be a very interesting thing to follow. Like I said, the the main the, the main thing I will say about this right now is do not pass judgment right away. Let's wait to see how this plays out and see what comes to light. The the truth will come to light one way or another. And considering Watson's character that we've all heard about, his charitable stuff, all of that, all the good that he's done, he's been one of those players, you know, uh, you know, this is very similar to like if, you know, LeBron, something came out with LeBron because he's been nothing but a, you know, um, you know, a perfect citizen, a, you know, all of the philanthropic uh, stuff he's done. Uh, all, all of the things that, you know, LeBron has done and, and all the things that Watson has done, you know, this would just be very bad on his image and his reputation if this turned out to be true. I'm certainly hoping that it isn't, but we'll just have to wait and see, just hold, pass judgment until more information is found out. The big news this week on the field for the NFL is that one of the greatest of all time, I'm not, I don't think you could say he's the greatest of all time, because that goes to Tom Brady, but one of them, Drew Brees, has announced he is retiring. And shortly thereafter, a few days later, I think a day, either a day later or two days later, Jameis Winston signed a one-year $12 million contract with the Saints, contract extension with the Saints. And considering that, 
it would appear as though he is the heir apparent, at least for now. Considering it's a one-year contract, it seems like the Saints are going to do with Winston what the Patriots did with Cam Newton after Tom Brady left, and that is give him a shot, give him that one-year contract, see what he can do, and then go from there. Cam Newton got another one-year contract. So obviously he didn't have to get another year to see what he can do. But it's going to be interesting to see how Winston does. He's got a much better offense than he... Well, actually, I take that back. Look what Tom Brady could do with Jameis Winston's offense in Tampa Bay this year. And Jameis Winston was throwing interceptions all over the place. Granted, they had a little bit of a better offensive line this year than they did last year. But still, this is going to be a big test. This is Next season is going to be the season that will determine Jameis Winston's career. Because it could be, it, it could go in one of two ways. Either it turns into, it, it, he either turns into basically tr- Drew Brees 2.0. He's had a similar situation when he had to move on from San Diego and went to New Orleans and revitalized his career there. It could be a situation there where Jameis Winston does the same thing and, you know, learned from Drew Brees this past season, and he'll be good to go, and and he'll be able to revitalize his career. Or he flops, and then the Saints move on and decide whether they want to try with Taysom Hill or if they want to draft a quarterback or what? where do they go from there? That's going to be the big question. So the Saints are going to be one of the most intriguing teams to watch this season to see what do they do? How are they without Drew Brees? Are they able to still compete at a high level? And and this may, this makes the AFC South very interesting as well because at this point I would have to say barring something crazy, you know, with 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 Breeze leaving the Saints, barring one of the other teams getting red hot, you have to say that the Buccaneers are the odds on heavy heavy favorite. For the NFC South. One one final NFL story uh, for today. Another quarterback story. Another team that's going to be very interesting to see what happens there with their quarterback situation. The Bears now have have a three headed beast when it comes to a three headed mediocre beast when it comes to quarterbacks as the Bears signed Andy Dalton. The Bears now have Andy Dalton, 
Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. And I think, and Dalton said after he signed it that, you know, he's being brought in to be the starter and everything. And, yeah, he probably will be the the week one starter, I would have to say, personally at least. But what what a room of mediocrity that is. You know, you got Andy Dalton who, you know, when he was with the Bengals, yeah, he was decent. Yeah, he was a, a a serviceable quarterback, but he never really, you know, even with you know, e- even when they had you know Ocho Cinco and Huchmanzada, they weren't able to really do much of anything. Uh, then you've got so Andy Dalton has been a mediocre quarterback his entire career. You've got Nick Foles who he was able to lead the the Eagles to a Super Bowl and he looked like he was gonna, you know, have a career renaissance after that. But now he's back in Chicago and, you know, back to his mediocre ways. And Trubisky has been laughing stock of the league ever since he came in because, you know, the Bears had the opportunity to draft Patrick Mahomes and they passed it up and Trubisky has been mediocre at best. So the the Bears aren't exactly known for their offense. They're more of a defensive team. And if if any of those three can be serviceable, the Bears may be good this year. But, you know, and and then on top of that, you have the the quarterback switch over in Detroit with with Jared Goff being there now. You've got Aaron Rodgers still not exactly being all that happy in Green Bay and and the question mark surrounding him, the, the shadow that hangs over his head of Jordan Love. And then you've got whatever's going on in Minnesota. So the NFC North is going to be a very interesting uh, division to watch this year when it comes to quarterbacks. That is for sure. You know, that's that's the nature of football. You know, the you know, especially in the NFL, the quarterback has become king. The quarterback is the you know is the the player that, you know, everyone focuses on. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how how this all pans out. How, uh, how, how this, how this impacts, uh, the, the NFC North. And, and, you know, I, there are so many different quarterback stories and so many different, you know, question marks around the league when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, that you know, more and more, que- more and more answers will be, uh, more and more questions will be answered as we get further into the off season. But then more and more questions will come around as a result. So. Should 
it's it's going to be a fun off season, that's for sure. Uh, moving on to uh, some NBA news, a little over halfway through the season, and let's just go through some of the uh, standings and go through each conference and see what if if we expected anything, if there are any teams that are surprises, disappointments, all of that. In the East, I'm honestly surprised at how well the 76ers have played. They're in the, they're tied for the top of the year thus far. And I honestly was not expecting them to play as well as they are. Especially because here's the thing. This is essentially the same team that they had last year. It's not like they suddenly got a ton of, you know, it's not like they made a big trade over the off season or did anything special outside of getting a new head coach. Yes, they got Danny Green, but that's, you know, that's not really, at least to me, At least to me, it's not a huge addition. But, you know, it's not, at least to me, uh, he's not a huge addition. He's not someone that, oh, my God, you know, Danny Green, it's, you know, it's, it's a make or break guy. He's been a good player in the league, don't get me wrong. But I just, I don't think he's, I, I, I didn't think he would make as much of an impact as he has. Do I think they're legitimate title contenders? Probably not yet. But I could be wrong. Nets have been playing great. They're tied for the first. Not really all that surprising. Again, like I've said before, they're yet, I think they're going to need this year to really solidify their um, their position and, and really solidify the chemistry on that team before they get to that next step. Bucks, kind of surprising that they're not at the top. I mean, they're only a game and a half back, but they're they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think it's a bit of a drop here, um, but I think they're still a, a legitimate threat. Outside of that, I think the two biggest surprises, well, three biggest surprises to me in terms of this season is, one, how good the Knicks are playing. They're in sixth in the in the East. Now, granted, they're only at 500, 21 and 21. But still, they're playing very well for a team that has not been very good in a very long time. The Celtics kind of dipped a little bit this season, uh as compared to what I thought. I thought they should would be a little higher at this point in the season. And the Raptors have also dipped. They're under 500. They're 10 and a half games back. They're out of the playoffs right now. So those are the three biggest surprises to me in the East this year. Going over to the West, I think the biggest surprise for everyone is that Jazz are in, in first place in the West right now. 
Yes, the Jazz are a good team, but I did not think they were going to be this good this quickly. Lakers being in second place, not really all that surprising. Thought they should be in first, but, you know, they're still up there. Phoenix playing well. They're also a big surprise. Uh, the rest of the teams, not really all that surprising. Mavericks being as low as they are, down at eight, that's surprising as well. Golden State, you know, I thought even without Clay Thompson, I thought they'd be playing a little bit better. But they're they're not doing all that well. Pelicans, I thought they'd be playing a little bit better with it being Zion's second year and all of that. But they're they're not doing well right now. So there are my uh, my thoughts on the NBA thus far. A little bit over halfway through the season. Uh. For and so that'll just about wrap it up for me uh, this morning. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Had lots of fun discussions. Had a great talk with Derek Howard, the new Ridgeview head coach. Had a great talk with Lou Beja State, as always. Uh, lots of fun things to talk about with the NCAA tournament. This tournament, it, like I said, if if you missed the beginning part of the show if you missed the earlier I think this tournament is going to be one of the wackiest we've ever seen and Lou and I disagreed on this he thinks there could be the potential of more upsets because of the lack of travel and because of you know the lack of fans and all that or limited fans but I'm thinking because of that, because of the limited fans, I'm thinking that this year is going to be one of the most clear-cut NCAA tournaments we've ever seen, at least in the first round. Moving forward, I could potentially see some upsets. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. But even then, I was originally, when I was originally looking at the bracket, I originally picked a few big upsets. But then looking back on it, I decided against them now after looking at them because because of the way this year is. But then again, you could you see some upsets. You could potentially see some very big upsets this season in the in the later rounds amongst some of the more blue blood type programs. That's going to be what that's what's going to be interesting this season. But so those are my overall thoughts on uh on the NCAA tournament. Be sure to join me next week. Uh next week we'll have the uh, preview for the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. And also, next week, we're quickly approaching opening day for the MLB. So I'll give you a preview of each division, who I think will 
make it to the playoffs, who I think will win each division, who will get in the wild card, and who my World Series prediction is for this season. So got a lot of stuff to talk about with that. And as always, got uh, you know high school sports topics to talk about. We'll have some great guests. May have a few uh, special guests next week. So be sure to join me next week for all of that um, good stuff. And yeah, lots of lots of fun topics next week. Uh, you know, NCAA tournament still going on. You know, Sweet 16 Elite. Give you all the previews for all of those games. Uh, ba- baseball topics to talk about next week. Baseball next week. Uh, unfortunately, you know, once once the NCAA tournament is over, you know, obviously you still have uh, you still have basketball, you still have hockey, you still have baseball going on. You'll well, you'll have baseball starting up. But there's not going to be as much to talk about in the upcoming weeks as there are right now. But that'll just about wrap it up for me. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, once again, got a great show lined up for you guys next week. So hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoyed this show. Uh,